All right, everybody, welcome to One on One Unscripted. And uh, man, I, I've really looked forward to today. Um, I, I, first of all, you know, you send off these invites and um, you're never quite sure, you know, if people are going to say yes or not. And uh, uh, to have somebody say yes that uh, I respect, um, I have followed now for a while. I'm not even sure how we follow each other on Twitter, but somehow that happened, which is the magic of Twitter. Um, but let me go ahead and let my guest introduce himself and uh, we will go from there. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Aaron, for having me on. I was uh, excited once you told me about the project you're working on here to be a part of it. I'm Chris McNeil. I'm kind of known as reflog underscore 18. That's just golfer backwards, by the way, on Twitter and kind of built up a following there. I've also got a show uh, nine o'clock on nine o'clock on Monday nights that I do with uh, Big Play Dave. And it's a Cleveland sports centric show. We always have a guest every Monday night, and usually during football season, it's going to be very football-centric with the Cleveland Browns. Baseball season, we'll hit the baseball with the Cleveland Indians, and then we'll sprinkle in some Cavs as well, and hopefully the Cavs get back to the relevance so we'd be talking about them a little bit more often than what we do. But it's a fun show to do, but I really am looking forward to being on your show right now, Aaron. Yeah, this is uh, – honestly, I'm, I'm – we, we, we just talked a little bit offline before we hopped on here to, and I actually click record, but, uh, and this again, and many people have heard this, this is the first time we've ever met, I guess you'd say in real life. I think we've exchanged some Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, let, let me go ahead and say it. So Speaking I'm, of uns Twitter. I'm unscripted, so I'm all over the place. Um, Beautiful. As, as most of my audience knows. Um, speaking of Twitter, <laughs> you, you tweeted something, I don't know, a month, a couple months ago. And, and it was, uh, and this, this, this told me the power of your Twitter. Um, you asked something about, and you, you'll probably remember better than I do. Um, who, who was the bigger thing? It was LeBron and somebody else. And it was Mark Price and Doherty. I think it was, or something along those lines. And I replied back and I said, Doherty Price, not even close. Yeah, I got crushed because you retweeted it. So apparently, my opinion was not uh, with the the Cleveland crowd. So um, it, it it reminded me of the power of your Twitter influence. Welcome to my world on that one. Yeah, if if I have a bad opinion on Twitter, oh, I hear about it. Oh boy, do I hear about it. And uh, yeah, and that's part of the fun is retweeting people and then seeing, you know, either people who agree with them or people who don't agree with them. And you'll get a good mix of both. And it always starts the conversation. And that's the most, that's, that's probably the thing that I get the most out of Twitter is the conversations. You know, I'll put my, what I think to be witty things that I put out there on Twitter, but it's really the responses that I sit back and I just crack up because people are so damn creative, you know, in our little orbit that is Cleveland sports, people don't realize how, number one, how passionate these folks are. Yes. And number two, how creative they are. You know, everybody likes to write off sports fans as a bunch of meatheads. It's not that way at all. I think they're among the most creative people you're going to find in the landscape. You know, you get the artsy people out here. I would contend that sports fans and really witty sports fans, I will hold them up against anybody out there. And uh, Cleveland certainly has their fair share. So I, I am fortunate fortunate to kind of be the lightning rod for a lot of those Cleveland sports fans out there, especially on Twitter. Yeah. I think I even sent you a direct message that I said, thanks a lot, man. Like I'm yeah. getting killed right now. And it'll either, <laughs> either make your morning or totally ruin your weekend. One or the other. That's the beauty of Twitter. Blew up my mentions, you know, right. blew up my <laughs> everything. So while we're on Twitter, let, let's start with that. So 
when you started your Twitter account, like how, how did everything happen? I mean, so currently I think what you sit around, what, 350 followers, you got the blue check mark. When you started Twitter, did you even imagine you'd be where you are today or how did all that evolve? So kind of a sad story, actually. It, uh, it started with more or less the breakdown of my marriage because you know, one of the things that, that my wife and I at the time used to enjoy together was sports. Right. And, and I thought I was a pretty witty guy. And, and back for a long time, she thought I was a pretty witty guy. And about the time she lost interest, I guess, in sports and, and really didn't think I was so witty anymore. Uh, I, I had to find an outlet, I guess. And, and I found this thing, Twitter, which by that time was well established. And this is this is years ago, even then. And uh, I started following sports guys. And I, I remember one of the first people I followed happened to be Deion Sanders, just randomly. I said, oh, okay, he's posting. And he was posting like intricate details of a fight he was having with his wife or girlfriend at that time. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like an unbelievable window into these athletes' lives. I can't believe that they're posting this stuff out there. And so I started following a bunch of athletes and started retweeting them. Now, now in between there, of course, Cleveland was playing games and I put my observations out there. And I noticed that although that stuff about Dion was, was kind of interesting, I, I started getting quite a following from the things that I was putting out there. And of course that started to ramp up more and more. And one of the things that I know you're familiar with, heck the whole world is, is the fact that, that Cleveland has been crapped on just nonstop when it comes to sports. The sports gods just hate us. Yeah. And I've grown up that way. You know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to see the Browns when they were good in the 80s, right, right. And into the 90s. I was fortunate enough to see the Cavs, like you were saying, with Mark Price and, and Brad Doherty when they were good. I was fortunate to see the Indians back in the 90s. But outside of those things, and of course, LeBron's Cavs and winning the championship in 2016, but outside of those moments, that's all we've had. In between there is just layer upon layer of disappointment. And I, I guess just growing up a Cleveland fan and, and I guess being hardened to all that, I, I'm just so used to being self-deprecating with my teams. And that's what oozes out through that, that, uh, that, that Twitter account. And people can relate to it because people right. know where you're coming from. It, and the thing I always tell people, is the way I interact with Cleveland teams is the way I interact with my family, right? Mm. Like I can make fun of my brother all day long, right? And I could get ruthless with my brother. But if somebody from the outside starts doing the same things to my brother, we've got a problem, right? right? right. It's the same thing with Cleveland fandom. Like I'll make fun of, of Cleveland teams all the time. But if you're an outsider, if you're a Michael Rappaport coming yeah. at me from outside, I'm going to defend us to the death. Yeah. And, and that mentality has just, it's not something that's fake or made up for Twitter. That's very real. That's yep. very real. That's just the way I enjoy my sports. And that's how I enjoy Cleveland sports. And that's really everything that was the foundation of reflog. And it's, it's natural. I, people ask me whether I was cultivating some sort of a, some sort of a, a character or, or whether this was a, like a fake thing that I went into. No, it's, it's really me. Now, obviously the AV is not me. Uh, but everything about it, it, it's, it's exactly who I am as a person, as a smart ass, you know, used to get into trouble back in school for being a smart ass in class. And they always said, you know, where are you going to go with this? Well, I, I guess in the new social media age, you could actually get quite a following for being the smart ass in the back of class, getting into trouble right. all the time. Right. Well, it, it's worked out well for you. Let me ask you this, because, because you just touched on it. 
Are you from anywhere in the Cleveland area? I know you currently live, and I don't want to give away your location, but I think it's on, on your Twitter. Um, you're in the Columbus area, right? So did you ever grow up in Cleveland or, or how did that, how did you become a Cleveland fan? So, so I'll give you the short, short scoop on this. My dad worked for Owens Corning for years and started off down in Jackson, Tennessee. Wow. So I was actually born and few people know this down in Jackson, Tennessee, spent a, a short amount of time there, but my dad's entire family, my grandfather, they're all from Kent. And we moved back from there to Toledo for a short amount of time and then eventually settled in Bath for most of my formative years, Bath. And I went to Revere up through freshman year. Um, and during that time, you know, my parents had season tickets to the Browns. Of course, on my dad's side, everybody is, is big time Brown. So I was, I, I was born into it very naturally, <laughs> either a curse or, or a blessing. I think it's, yeah. most of the time it's been a curse. Um, but, and it's always been a part of who we are as a family, like family gatherings are around Browns games. They're around Indians games in the summer. You know, mm -hmm. they're around Cavs games. I mean, that's just always been part of what we've done and enjoyed as a family. And so it's always been a part of me. Um, and then like you touched on, and we moved when I was a sophomore in high school, we moved from there down to Granville. And I've since become an adult, moved all around, moved back to Granville with my family uh, for the kiddos to get them back in Granville schools, props Granville schools right now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of, kind of that moving about, uh, I never lost, you know, that, that, that first love, right. Which is Cleveland sports. I've never wavered. The Browns left town. I stuck with the Browns. Cavs sucked. You know, they sucked before I even knew anything about the Cavs. Uh, yeah. I stuck with them. The Indians, I mean, the Indians, hell, we had a whole movie about how bad the Indians were before they actually got good in the nineties. And now yeah. I've come back here in the, the last few years, but, uh, you know, that I've never wavered. Those have always been my three teams first. Um, and uh, that, that's made me a lifetime fan. And that's amazing because I think you touched on it. I grew up, so I grew up in Bedford. I did, okay. I did actually work a summer in Mogador, so not too far. Ah, from, not too far away from Kent. Right, yeah. right. The, 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 can we talk about the A&W and what is it, Talmadge? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The A and W is out there. That's where my hey. grandfather used to go for, I think they had a breakfast at the one or something. <laughs> and we used to go to breakfast. And I remember that just distinctly. There was one in Kent and maybe yeah. it was an old A and W that had yeah. been converted by that time. And mm -hmm. they had great breakfast and it's right there off of campus. And yep. we used to go there. Quick story. Um, when my parents used to go to Brown, I haven't, I haven't told this story in a long time. When my parents used to go to Brown's games when I was really young and, and I wasn't quite old, Old enough to go to the games regularly I'd go up with my grandfather up on the hill and he owns like 72 acres out there outside of Kent and uh, we'd go up there and split logs while listening to the radio to Brown's games hmm. and always for that morning or the morning after we would go to the A&W or whatever it was there's a breakfast place downtown in Kent or just outside of Kent and uh, and I can remember those days fondly I could still see the place it's closed down now but it yeah, it brings back good memories, man. Yeah. See what it see see what it is. Sports, Cleveland sports, it's all about family for me. And you just brought up a, a great story that I remember with grandpa and, and splitting wood up on the hill. <laughs> there you go. Well, I I, uh, I spent a summer working the summer before I went off to college, I spent a summer working at the uh, Carter Lumber in Mogador, okay. Ohio, right over the railroad tracks. But you went and I couldn't I could drive it today, but I don't remember exactly where it is. But there was an A&W, so we used to go slam conies at the A&W <laughs> on lunch. That's fantastic. That was, and that was Carter Lumber? 
I think the back end of, so the back end of Carter Lumber's property actually butts up to my grandfather's property up wow. there in Kent, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Wow. What a small world, right? It's, so so they're always in negotiations over, over trying to sell or whether you'd sell to Carter Lumber. I remember those conversations back in the day. Well, some good and not so good memories because that was the hottest summer on record and we had to wear jeans every day. It was horrible. Um, oh, that's brutal. <laughs> so anyway, but speaking of small world, so I found this out this week uh, and I got to give a shout out. So uh, you had already been scheduled and I was texting with a friend of mine about something completely unrelated. And uh, so you, a fraternity brother of yours is none other than Mr. Jeremy Rose. Is that right? And he is fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was about, he was a class after me. I think he was a class younger than I was at the Lambda Chi house there in Oxford, Ohio, proud choppers. And yeah, he lived in the house just as I did. And uh, we've got some stories from back in the day, many of which are not appropriate for the radio, by the way. (laughs) But I will say Jeremy is a fantastic guy. And I want to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I found that out this week. So that that was uh, that was another nugget. Just a sm- the world just continues to get smaller and smaller. So, um, all right, let's transition because I'm not sure anybody, and I've teased it a little bit. Let's talk about the perfect season parade. Like you got you got love for the. I had uh, Matt Matt Lodi on last night, and yeah. he talked about yeah. he's a huge fan of yours. And I've gotten this question just so you know, and and not to inflate your ego, but but the, oh, I've gotten geez. many people have said. How'd you get McNeil on? Like, like, because you know, and that tells a lot. Now, about now that's him. good because the opposite. A, a lot of people would probably be saying, "Why are you having that guy on?" See, <laughs> that that's what I would be concerned about, especially with the parade. It it becomes quite a hot topic back then. Yeah, no, a lot of people are like, um, I think it says a lot about like, how in the world did you pull that off? Because that's basically the language it's said in is, "How'd you get McNeil?" Like, how did you pull that off? And I'm not even sure to be honest with you, I, I'm not. Uh, but but here you are, and so. Um, he talked about the fact that you there was a lot of good that you did in that parade and that that is really overshadowed. And I know you went on like a world tour. What do they call it? The car wash when you go through all the, radio the car stations, wash. Yeah, right? I kind of did ad hoc car wash. Ad hoc car wash <laughs> through all the radio stations asking, you know, I'm sure a million questions. So talk about the perfect season parade because and I'm I'm wearing my colors today. Let's just go ahead and cover it. The Browns play the Raiders on Sunday. Uh, whenever you're hearing this or seeing this, they play the Raiders on Sunday. By the time you see it, it'll probably be over, and the Raiders will have lost. Um, so let's just cover That's it. That's what I like it's to hear. It Another it's, speed bump along the way to the Browns making it to the Super Bowl this year. Your hey, Raiders. Hey, any, any, anything possible. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Cleveland guy. Grew up in Cleveland. And so let, yeah. let me reverse really quick because you, you touched on this on this, the 216. I call it my 216. My family knows, my coworkers know. When, I, when my 216 comes out, you don't want to be in the area. And I, I, you touched that. I love what you said about, um, you know, we can joke around about how bad our teams are. And I, I do that with the Raiders too. But I am a Browns and Indians fan, or, or I'm sorry, Cavs and Indians fan. Gotcha. Browns okay. After, after Biner, Biner fumbled, I couldn't take it anymore. So at the time, Bo Jackson was on the scene and so I started ah, following my Raiders. Okay. Uh, All right. I was wondering how that divergence would happen. Okay. Both. How it happen. There yeah. you go. Yep. So, and I've been following them ever since, and they suck just as bad as the Browns do the last few years. So that's just to be honest. But uh, either way, they play on Sunday. And, uh, but, but, you know, I'll tell you, and I think it even it, it extends for me because I grew up in Bedford. It grows, uh-huh. it goes beyond that. So if you, if you, I'll make fun of my, you know, we'll, we'll joke around about family and all that. But man, if you come at me, I'm I'm gonna come back twice as hard. So I, I think it's interesting. That's why I ask if you grew up there because 
I do think it's something within that area code of 216 that is ingrained in all of us that, that we'll joke around, we'll, we'll make fun of our own family, but boy, if you make fun of my family, it is on. And, and I think the same absolutely. is sports. So that's absolutely. Well, and it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Bo Jackson there. I mean, Cincinnati ruined Bo Jackson like they did Chile, right? I mean, in that I, they really did in that darn playoff game. I'll never forget listening. I was listening on the radio when that happened, and it was just like, oh man! I mean, what a just a, a generational talent, and that doesn't even speak to what Bo Jackson was to right. a lot of people who are out there who never had a chance to see him on the football field, on the baseball diamond. This guy was generational. He was something that was bigger than life. And Cincinnati ruined that guy in that playoff game. So I will always hate Cincinnati for ruining Chile and for ruining Bo Jackson. <laughs> well, I had to get note, that out. Sorry, you left me an absolutely. opening. On that note, let, let me tell another. So let me tell you a Bo story. Um, um, and not to go into too much detail, but I do have some connection to Bo. And uh, I was doing a sports forum, and Bo was um, the the arranger of these the the company that was arranging. I don't even know how, I don't even know if that's the right English because I'm not that bright. The company that was putting together these sports <laughs> forum, um, Bo was, was, they were wanting to be a Bo, Bo, they were wanting Bo to be a keynote speaker. Um, uh -huh. And so I got a call and, and Bo at that point was potentially going to be a keynote speaker. And I, I got a call and they said, hey, you're never going to guess who we got. And I'm like, who's that? And they give me this name and, and people will have to Google it. And I'm like, I, I don't know who that is. I'm not sure what that name is. And they're like, well, get this. It's the guy that tackled Bo and ended his career. <laughs> and wow. Chris, I tell you, I looked at my phone, wow. I literally put my phone away and looked at it and put and and said, okay. Like <laughs> you wanted Bo to come to this, right? Like, and again, I don't I, I don't know if if that would even matter. Maybe they're friends. I don't know. But yeah. I I'm pretty sure the last guy I would dial up um to when, when I knew Bo was going to be a, a speaker at an event is the guy that ended his career in football. <laughs> so. That could either be the most legendary event ever or the worst train wreck in the history of mankind. That is, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. It was, it was one of those, you know, what do they call that? Um, this is your life. <laughs> you know, and they, yeah. Here he is, you know, and I, I'm like, that, that's a really, really bad idea, but whatever. And anyway, that sounds you know, like a, a Jerry Springer episode from back in the <laughs> early nineties right there. Yeah. We have a surprise guest for you tonight, Bo. Can you guess who this is? And you, you, you put them through the questions, the painful questions. Well, did you play football? Yeah, I played football. Did we ever play against each other? Yes, we did. Did we play against each other in a playoff game? Yes, we did. Uh, you know, just, oh, that could be just, oh, and everybody in the audience, right. how painful would that be? Man, that sounds like good Twitter fodder. fodder <laughs> that would it sounds like something you'd see on social media that would just go viral. I mean, right. as sad as that is, it may just ruin him, you know, the poor guy up there, but that would be fodder for all kinds of social media. Yeah, it would have been a meme, no doubt about it. Oh, oh God, yes. <laughs> Crying Jordan all over again. Right. And I have a feeling you probably would have Photoshopped something and put it up. If you absolutely <laughs> i'm heartless i would have gone right after it <laughs> exactly and i don't even know how we got on this subject now i've lost i've lost all control i'm not sure <laughs> i love it it's a it, well it, when people listen to this it won't be a friday afternoon but for us it's a friday afternoon so what the heck anything goes it's all <laughs> no holds barred 
Right. All right. So Raiders Browns, uh, perfect season, I think, is where we started. Yeah, we were talking about the parade. And and then we got off talking about Bo Jackson for a little while, which I I liked. I liked that little divergence, you know, because we talk about the parade a lot. You touched on it. I talked about it a lot during that time. And I'll tell you, that that came completely out of one tweet. Right. It, it was right after the Browns in 2000 or the Browns. It was right after the Cavs in 2016 had yep. just won it all. Right. Yep. So the city is just unbelievable. You know, we have the legitimate parade that everybody in the nation said, well, Cleveland doesn't know how to celebrate. They're going to mess this up. He didn't mess it up. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The only problem with it was it was too hot outside yeah. of that. Everybody was out there celebrating. It came across great. J.R. Smith was not wearing a shirt the entire time. It was fantastic. Kyrie was drunk off his ass. It was a great time had by everybody, right? You had the Indians going to the World Series. You had just just great times in Cleveland. This is about the highest you could be as a Cleveland fan. And then we had the Cleveland Browns, right? And the Cleveland Browns under Hugh Jackson. And I I think it was one of the early games – in the season that we went one and 15 where I just put out a tweet and I said, this team deserves a parade. And it was that simple. It was just that one line. And it was just after a horrible play for the Browns, putting it in context. So everybody was tongue in cheek, just saying, yeah, could you imagine? And then I had somebody reach out to me, DM me and say, you know, in the city of Cleveland, for a piece of paperwork, an application, and 25 bucks, you can have this parade. And I thought, well, for 25 bucks, what the hell? Let's continue this troll, right? <laughs> so, so I pay the 25 bucks. I put in the paperwork. The Browns continue to lose. And we get to about November, right? And the Browns hadn't won at this point. And I get a call from the city of Cleveland. And they said, Chris McNeil? I said, Yes. They said, we'd like to have you up to discuss your parade. And I, first of all, I was beside, I didn't think that anyone would take it seriously. Right. right. I mean, I right. did everything serious. You know, I did it legitimately, but I thought the city of Cleveland would get that thing and say, hell no, we're not going to do something like that. And uh, they said, we're, we'd like you to come in the first week in December. You're going to present to all the heads of the different departments in Cleveland. Whoa. Okay. I better put something together. So I started putting together a PowerPoint presentation. I started assembling things. You know, I started calling some guys who, who said they could run security for me. I started calling some of those vendors. And, and, and I go to this meeting. And it's literally me at City Hall sitting around with 20, 25 different department heads. We're talking police. We're talking sanitation, parks and recreation, you know, parking. I just... Every single department in Cleveland was there just looking at me. And it was like one of those moments where you walk into a bar and the music stops. (laughs) I'm I'm like, these guys don't care about my stupid troll. They don't care about my parade. All they care about is going through the motions of what this thing's going to look like and making sure, I mean, this is a post 9-11 world, making sure everybody's safe, right? So I do my presentation and they had their questions for me that I had to go work on. And I walked out of there and I thought, oh, God, if this happens, I'm going to have to have a parade. So yeah. I'm going I'm to have to raise money. We got, we got to have money to pay insurance. We got to have money, parade insurance. I'd never thought about parade insurance until I walked out of that room uh, yeah. to, to pay for all of the security, Portageons, all this stupid stuff. 
remind you, this is all over a stupid tweet, right? 140 characters. And yeah. now I've got to arrange all this stuff. So I put it out there that I started a GoFundMe, right? To people said, hey, listen, it's going to cost several thousand dollars to go ahead and put this thing on. I'm going to start this GoFundMe. Hopefully the Browns don't go 0-16. Ha ha, it's not going to happen, right? And, and meanwhile, in the back of my head, I'm going, boy, with this team, it's really possible we could go 0-16. <laughs> Right. So a couple of weeks go by Dan Lebitard down there. And I, you're probably familiar with him. ESPN has a big morning show and did at that time. And uh, he picked up on this and he's, he's, he's a troll just like I am. Now he, he likes and to he troll hates Cleveland and he, he hates, hates Cleveland. Cleveland. He hates right. Cleveland. And that, that was kind of the fine line that I was running with this thing, but he saw this and thought it was a fantastic idea. Now on top of that, in the week prior, um, and, and, and this is wild. The Browns had lost to your Raiders of, of all people. We lost to your Raiders in the post game <laughs> of all people, of all teams. We lost to the Raiders. Come on now. <laughs> you like that dig? I, I got that. I in there. did. I did. <laughs> in the official Browns post game, I'm listening to with my kids in the back of the car, they go into a rant. And this is Tony Rizzo, who's a local media honk up there, ESPN Cleveland, and says that he is going to prevent this parade from ever happening, right. and that any of those organizers that are anywhere a part of this thing, he is going to mow down under his tires, and he's going to beat me up. My kids are in the back of the car. This nice. is the official Browns postgame. And they were like, I'm like listening for the stats on this horrible, miserable ball game, and my kids are listening to how their dad's going to get killed, right? <laughs> Dan Lebitard gets that audio, loves it, so he promotes the hell out of the parade. I am standing in my living room watching the TV, watching ESPN while he's promoting it. My little GoFundMe goes from like $1,000 at that time to like $10,000 in about 15 minutes as he's promoting it. So now I've met with the city of Cleveland. It's a go from them. I've now got the funding to do it, and I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I can't do this. There's no way. Right. So I am at the game Christmas Eve that year. I'm at the game. We played the Chargers. And if you'll recall, the Browns eked out a win by blocking a field goal at the end of that game. The Browns went one in 15. All that money that was raised went to the Cleveland Food Bank. Nice. Great story. Wash my hands of this. It was a troll. I avoided all kinds of bullets there. We're good. Let's go into next year. I don't know why we kept Hugh Jackson, but I'm sure that he can't repeat that performance as coach for the following year, right? Well, we all know what happened. He did, and he did it even worse. The following year, about – about halftime, I think, of that first game, people started tweeting at me, Aaron. Hey, is that, is that parade permit still good that you had from last year? Because I think we might need it for this year. And, of course, I was playing along. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure that's going to happen. Sure. We went through the whole rigmarole once again. I got another parade permit. I went and started the GoFundMe. I talked to all the same people again about putting on this parade. I talked to the city of Cleveland. Now, this time, what was funny, when I talked to the city of Cleveland, I talked to them in early December, they were of the belief that this thing was going to happen. The year before, they were kind of half joking about it, I think, when they were sitting in the room. This time, they got me worried because of their just professionalism in that room where they're like, hey, do you have this? I'm like, no, no. 
A couple of weeks later, I get a call from Homeland Security. Oh my goodness. To make sure that I, hey, what are you doing for this? And all the while I've got ESPN, as you talked about, I went on twice with Outside the Lines and the great Bob Lee, yeah. um, which was literally, I went to a, a studio here in Columbus. They do those things remotely. And I sat in a darkened room and just stared at a, <laughs> at a red light and had Bob Lee in my ear asking me questions. And that's all it was. And of course their production, it looked great on TV and it came across all right. And all the while, you know, as I'm going on these national shows, you see my Twitter feed and it's completely divided the town. Right. Because you alluded to it. Half the people wanted me dead. I, I got death threats. I legitimately did get death threats over this thing. People going at me. Half the people got it. I mean, this all originated from social media. This is completely tongue in cheek. I am not in any way trying to celebrate my Cleveland Browns, who I have had blood, sweat and tears over since I was a kid. Uh, I did not want them to go 0-16. I did not want to have this parade. Uh, okay. they, were, they were, in a sense, forcing my hand by having this thing. But all the while, you know, we got legitimate sponsors. Excedrin reached out to me, said, hey, I, we think that this is great. We're going to go ahead. We're going to pay you, you know, whatever it is. It was like $3,000 to reach our goal at that time so we could actually have the parade. And for that, we're going to publish all kinds of things that say, hey, Cleveland, we understand you have a lot of headaches from your football team. Here's Excedrin to help you out. And we're going to give you hats and we're going to give you all this promotional material down there. <laughs> we had that. We had FarmersOnly.com. The guy who founded that is actually from the Cleveland land area. He reached out to me, said, hey, you may not be able to score on Sundays, but you can score during the week by going on to FarmersOnly.com. So I had people coming out of the woodwork for this darn thing. So we had – Plenty of money to put this thing on. Right. <laughs> we end up getting down there. It ends up being a great party for everybody who was involved. Um, you know, we had uh, uh, Rover's Morning Glory, and his bus was out there to kind of lead this thing off. We had uh, probably 20 to 30. It was more like 30 floats. And these are, these are floats that people had put work into. I, I mean, had gotten together in teams, you know, obviously big drinking parties, putting right. these things together. The Browns don't give us anything to celebrate. You know, you come to the end of the season, this really did right. So yeah. after they go, Oh, 16, we're down there in the cold. And it was literally, it was zero degrees down there. And, oh. and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it was literally zero degrees. They said with the wind chill, it was negative 16. So it was literally 0 and 16. It was so great. I mean, how, how about poetry there? It was 0 and 16 Perfect. when we get down there. We lead this thing out. It, it was part party, you know, for all these other teams that on that particular Saturday were out kind of getting geared up for their teams in the playoffs. We were out there having a party of our own. It was part protest. I mean, the Haslam's really got it hard. There yeah. were people going after the Haslam party, the Haslam family pretty darn hard after Hugh Jackson, after everybody in the organization that led us to go into 0-16. And, and it was also part, partially like a, 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 a mock funeral, really, because it was like, okay, let's bury things. Let's bury, you know, the swan and Johnny Manziel. Let's bury everything that, that were the old Cleveland Browns since we've come back. And let's have a resurgence, you know, even though the team that's in there, and of course we held this thing right around the stadium, even though the team that's in there sucked and doesn't give us any pride on the field, we as Browns fans are coming out here to say, we're better than this. We yeah. expect better out of you as ownership. 
And, and even though it was that cold and that crappy, we had almost 3,000 people down there for this mock parade. I mean, for this parade, for, for this mock funeral for this team. Right. It was right. unbelievable. Yeah. And, and what was great and what I was really proud about, you know, after I'd gotten a lot of crap from folks uh, about having this and how it'd be a black eye on Cleveland, I think it came across right nationally. I think that they covered it the right way, that this right. is tongue in cheek. This isn't a bunch of idiots wandering around who are really happy about their team being 0 and 16 for some reason. Uh, we collected canned food down there for the Cleveland Food Bank. We mm -hmm. had excess funds. You know, I, I didn't make a dime off of this thing. Anything that was above the security, above, uh, you know, I had to pay the city of Cleveland, above the porta potties, all that went to the Ohio Food Bank or the middle, or excuse me, the Cleveland Food Bank up there. Right. Um, and then even in the aftermath, I talked to the police officers that were down there. I talked to the chief of police and said, hey, we didn't have any, any kind of nuts or anything go on or anything that, that caused a problem for you guys. And they said, absolutely not. And yeah. in fact, normally we would do a back charge on you guys for this, for, for overtime. And we, I don't know if they had overtime, but for, for having the officers down there, they said, because of the way everybody handled themselves down there and because we didn't have any problems, we're not going to do that. So you can take that money and you can put that to the Cleveland food bank, which, right. which is something I, I haven't had an opportunity to really share that with that many people. So it ended up being a really positive thing. I know that there are still people who look at me and say that clown that put on this 0-16 parade. And I get it. I, I get it. If you, if you don't come from social media and you don't understand the tongue in cheek nature of it, then you really don't get it. But I'll tell you one quick story before I leave the parade. One of the things that, or, or it really touched me. I was on the BBC the BBC picked up this story and was talking to me about it. And of course, if you know anything about British humor, you know that they're all a little bit off. Right. But you also know that they get it. Like, I didn't have to explain. They were confused that people were upset about this. They're like, obviously, this is tongue in cheek. Obviously, you know, this is all satire. I, obviously, we understand what you're doing. And, and they asked me, they, they mentioned about four or five teams that were either horrible or had just been relegated over there in their soccer leagues. And yeah. they're like, we got to get you over here because there are some fan bases that would love right now to have a parade over here across the pond for their, for their soccer team, for their football teams that over here and I was like man if they could get it over there then, then I think we're doing something right so I, I really appreciated that postscript onto everything with the parade <laughs> well man that that is that is a story I I uh th this this podcast is built on stories and <laughs> I maybe you have to be from Cleveland I don't know but I, I love it all of it that was amazing um and it was more than I could have even imagined in terms of a story uh, but it's it, probably yeah, more it, than you wanted but you you no. gave me you gave me the opportunity to just give you all of the details of that yeah. and as I'm recounting it all there was just so much to it and most of the forums don't give me that kind of an opportunity so I appreciate that Aaron I just kind of gave you diarrhea of the mouth when it comes to the Browns 0-16 parade right here on your podcast so you got that trash or treasure I love it I, I love it and and this little bitty podcast that who knows how long it'll last or how many people listen, but uh, I do appreciate the fact that uh, that that's great stuff. And maybe again, maybe you got to be from Cleveland to appreciate it. And you know, <laughs> anybody outside of Ohio or Central Ohio maybe not won't understand. Or in the UK, as it turns out, or <laughs> the UK. or the BBC. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, that was that was great. And 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 what Matt shared last night again was his mutual respect for the fact that you'd raised a lot of money and did a lot of good. And that that's 
in all the humor and all the all the trolling, the reality is you did a lot of good. And let, let let's like let's really not let that pass. You did a lot of good in the city of Cleveland uh, for the Cleveland Food Bank, and because well, I, all, I appreciate all that. And, and I should I, I should also say say about Matt. I know Matt's fighting his own battles, and and he's also I tell you what. What, what a great representation. You have, have me, who's just an idiot out here doing things like these parades. And then you got guys like Matt that are doing like serious work that's well-respected. And, and the work he does with the Cleveland Indians and the way he covers the Cleveland Indians is just fantastic. So the utmost respect for him, prayers, well wishes for everything that he's going through. Yeah. Matt, I tip my hat to you, my friend. Yeah. And, and then there's me. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Raiders fan over here. Black hole. <laughs> but I do love my Cavs and my Indians. Uh, but no, God bless not. you for that. <laughs> but no, in the, in the meantime, literally like so much respect and honestly blown away. You know, you send out again, I sell, I'll say it again. I send up these invites and next thing you know, wow. Uh, both of you back to back, um, Pretty, pretty amazing for a guy from Cleveland uh, because I, I, you know, again, a Raiders fan from Cleveland. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> it's just football. I still love my, my Indians and my, my caps and, and I'm an Albert Bell fan forever. So, oh God. So let's, let's not even get you, into you know, is there, is there somebody I, I, and how, how apropos that you would bring up Albert Bell? What, what day is tomorrow? I know that this podcast can be listened to anytime. What day is tomorrow? Hey, those kids should have not egged his house. Tomorrow is Halloween. It's Halloween. This is Albert Bell's time of year, my friend. I love a good Albert Bell story. There's nothing. I mean, I know the local media absolutely hates him because they had to cover the guy. And the guy was as prickly as they come. And that's to put it nicely. You know, they they had like, there were stories like Carlos Baerga on Halloween was like on Albert Bell duty to make sure that he wasn't going to go mow down trick-or-treaters. And he still failed in that. I, I mean, just what a fantastic jackass Albert Bell was. And, and he was my jackass, though. I looked up to that. That's, that's who you want batting cleanup. You know, 100%. you don't want the nice guy batting cleanup who's, oh, woe is me, I just struck out. No, you want the guy who's going to go back into the clubhouse. He's going to be upset that the temperature isn't exactly what he wants, and he's going to take that off the wall. He's going to walk over to Kenny Lofton's boombox and just totally destroy it. That's the guy I want batting cleanup. I'm sorry. It's right. If you ever seen Major League, he's the, he's he's they couldn't have cast that better. Oh, he, he's he's Serrano, just not chill. Right. He's Serrano without the chill, and I love that man. Well, let me, so a quick Albert Bell story. Again, huge fan. So uh, Solon, uh, what I don't know, Jim, somebody Ford, I don't remember who it was now. But when I lived in Cleveland, uh, the Ford dealer in Solon had a uh, Albert Bell signing one day. And you had to get there at like 7 a.m. And he's there How from like 8 to 10. Be? What, what just a cut of Americana in Cleveland is that? And at the car dealership, Albert Bell. Oh, I, I like where this story is going already. So, and this is like 95, 94, 96, oh, yeah. somewhere in there. And so he's at the height of his popularity. So this is I post go, Joey. I get, this is post Joey. He's legitimately Albert Bell. He has been re, reimagined as this Albert Bell, not Joey, not Joey, not that guy from the minors. He is Albert freaking Bell at this point. At this point. And so I go early. I take my future brother-in-law because I'm just dating his sister at this point. So we go and, and, and you know, he's real little and, we wait in line forever. Uh, we get there. And so, so 
you know, I don't know, eight to 10 turns to eight to 11 and Albert stays and he's inside the dealership. I can see him in the glass doors. I can see him. And we get all the way up there and we're just, I mean, we're three people away and they've extended oh, no. the time even more. But the Indians had a game that night. And I, this is a true story. And this is, a, a, this is my defense of Albert Bell when everybody gives him a hard time. We're standing outside the glass doors. And I swear to you, there was one person in front of us and they locked the doors. And man, the crowd behind me loses their mind and they're banging oh, on the glass. Imagine. They're cussing him out. And I'm like, you know what? This guy has got a job to do. He's got a game. Right. And if you wait, if he stays and look, he already extended his time an hour or two. I don't even remember what it was. That's incredible. That is a long time for one it was of those a long things. Time that him. is a he's long saying, time. Yeah, absolutely. He's signing autographs. You know, he's doing his thing. And I swear to you, man, I'll never forget it because I'm like, you wonder why he hates you guys. Because, you know, he can hear you right now. Was I disappointed? Sure. I would love to have met Albert Bell. I, you know, he's my hero. And yet, I'm not like cussing the guy out, but man. See, you're playing it cool now. You're playing no, it cool not. now. Back then, back then you were hitting on the glass. You were one of those guys. You're like, God, I hate you. I hate you. You know, Kenny Lofton's my favorite player now. I hate you, Albert Bell. Go to hell. Saw yeah, Kenny Lofton the way this time. really went down. I saw Kenny Lofton one time at the uh, three-on-three hoop it up in downtown, in the flats. Uh, driving through in a Mercedes, but whatever. Anyway, I got a million stories from living in Cleveland, but but no, I'll never forget the Albert Bell story because I was like, you know what, you guys would have loved him if we made it in there. He's your best. He's he's your favorite Indian. But because they locked the doors, you're upset with this guy, and then you know he can hear you. And so anyway, that's my defense of Albert Bell. Well, now trick or treaters and eggs, whatever. I, I'll 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 give you that. But Albert Bell was was great, and he's still my favorite Cleveland Indian ever. I'll Fantastic take a guy. Yes, I, I, I can appreciate somebody who likes Albert Bell as much as I do because he gets written off way too often, way too often. Another guy lost to a hip injury, degenerative hip with him. Right. Yeah. Should have never Gosh, left Cleveland. Should have never left Cleveland. That's exactly right. When you get 50-50, true story. Again, we were, uh, we were in the worst seats possible. We were like in the last row at, at the Jake, which it will forever be the Jake. So Absolutely. In the last row, I, I made signs because I knew we'd be on good old channel 43 in Cleveland. And so I made these signs hoping I'd get on TV. Well, a friend of mine and I um, decided, you know what, man, let's try to move down because the game wasn't sold out remarkably, even though it was quote unquote sold out. So yeah. we, anyway, we made our way back down. So we were in, we were about two or three rows behind home plate. And so every left-handed batter that would come up, remember when, remember when they used to freeze whoever, when they'd walk up, they would, screenshot it and put it up on the big screen yes so we, yeah we were we were screenshotted and put up on the big screen anyway so he we moved down by i don't know fifth fourth fifth sixth inning whatever it was so we're sitting two rows back and, and so we got to be there for albert bell so i have a video because i recorded it just in case our little sign got on uh on channel 43 so i have a vhs in the basement that i can't do anything with now because i don't even have a vcr Course. That being said, I do have a video of me being at Albert Bell's 50-50 game when he hit his 50th double to, uh, on, to get the 50 home runs. On Channel 43. On Channel 43. Oh, there's another slice of Cleveland right there. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. So, well, man, we could talk all day, I have a feeling. And, uh, and I, I just I don't want to steal too much of your time. I'm so thankful for you coming on. Uh, would love for you to come on again. Absolutely. Sure. I would love to. I would love to. We could talk about Brown Super Bowl, the Super Bowl parade that I'm in planning right now. 
Are you in planning right now? Because that, that's a big thing. I mean, are you breaking news right here on Unscripted? No, I, I'm sure the city of Cleveland could probably take on doing a Super Bowl parade if it should come to that. I don't expect a call from the city of Cleveland going, hey, how do we do this? <laughs> and they probably have a few more than 3,000 fans down there. I'm just guessing. Couple. Yeah, a that, couple more. That would break the photo that you typically post for pretty much anything that happens in the world. <laughs> Um, and, and people buy it every time. That's my favorite is when you post the Cleveland parade and say, oh, you know, there's a big turnout for the Trump rally and everybody loses their mind. It's my way of reliving that every single time, whenever I get an opportunity to post that. And, and what's great about it, because, you know, I, I try to avoid the political stuff for the most part on Twitter. And, and what's great about that one is it really trolls both sides. I, I mean, it, it tends to troll the right more than the left, but both sides tend to get it on that because, you know, the, the right will believe it. They'll believe that that's actually a Trump rally. And so they'll puff out their chests about it. And, and then the left will also make a fool of themselves trying to trip all over themselves to prove that it's a joke. And it's like, well, yeah, everybody kind of knows if you're in on a joke, you don't say that it's a joke. So and nobody has a mask on. <laughs> but one of my favorite, yeah. And one of my favorite parts when I, I first posted it was that Ann Coulter, took that and put it on her website for a whole afternoon praising Donald Trump. And I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. I guess I'm political now. That's great. All right, I have two questions before we get off. And again, I, I'm so thankful for your time that you would take time for my little bitty podcast here. But uh, the first one is what's up with the avatar or the the profile picture where who is that is it like what is the deal with that and and what came about to make you use that because now absolutely. it's your it's absolutely your trademark, right i guess i guess although the actual person who's in there would probably say otherwise um but <laughs> that was one of those you know if there's if there's ever a time in my life where i looked at something and was like Oh my God, I know exactly what I need to do there. When I got onto Twitter and I saw you have to make an AV after I was an egg for a little while, right? I was like, what do I make as an AV? In 2010, uh, the, the Ryder Cup, there is a famous photo of Tiger Woods hitting a ball directly at the camera. And, and anybody, you know, anybody who's out there right now, just Google Tiger Woods cigar guy. And you're going to see this fantastic photo. What's amazing about this is you see the ball, the white ball right in the middle. And then behind you see Tiger, you see his caddy, Steve Williams, and then you see the crowd all behind him, right? The gallery. And as you pan through this gallery, all of a sudden you see this guy on the right side. And this guy looks like he's already Photoshopped in his own photo. And he's that guy, the cigar guy. And, and this guy is an investment broker from the UK who is a huge uh, fan, of course, of, of the Euros. And so he was out there supporting the Euros. And he was dressed as his favorite player, Miguel Jimenez, for that particular day. And everybody thinks he's wearing a turban. And it's not. It's just a big wig that he's wearing. And he's got the cigar. He's got the mustache. Yeah. And, and, and just the, the expression on his face of interest of what's going on. It's just so legendary. So I put it in there as my avian. I never turned back. I, like, I think it was like a year or so after I made that my avian. I had somebody remark to one of my tweets said, I don't know if this guy's actually funny or if it's because of his avian that I laugh at what he puts out there. <laughs> and as soon as he put that out there, I'm like, I can never change it. 
I'm, I'm never going to be able to change this. Yeah. The AV is doing exactly what it's intended to do if it's enhancing whatever I put in a tweet. So from that time forward, I've always had Cigar Guy as my AV. Perfect. I, I love the backstory. Uh, and, and you even have a bobblehead in front of you in this video. Yeah, so I had a guy, and he's actually a local Cleveland guy. I'll have to look on the bottom to give him credit right now. Uh, John Hoseman is his name, and he made this for me. And it's actually carved out of wood, which is pretty amazing. Unbelievable. And, I, and I've had on my wall, I've got a picture that someone else made of him. So, yeah, he's, he's really taken a life of his own. And I've reached out to the guy. His name's um, – Rupert, I, I forget off the top of my head what his name is, and I, I feel bad about that. Um, but he, he likes, he, I guess he's got a great sense of humor. So I think he would really appreciate what I've done. I know through an intermediary, uh, he kind of knows what I've done with it over as an AV, and I think he kind of appreciates it, but he keeps a low profile over there. He was an investment banker. I don't know what he is now, but he's got a good sense of humor. So I, I, at least in my mind, I, I think that he's, uh, he, he's proud of the fact that his face is all over the place in Cleveland sports over here in the States. Well, I wouldn't mind at all, right? I, and I, I actually, short story, I, I had a, a post go viral one time about, um, and you might have even, who knows how many people, 4 million people apparently have seen it. Um, and it was- uh, That is very viral. Well done. It crazy. It was rules for my son. I had no, I had no intention of it. I actually had posted it uh, a, probably a year earlier. Nobody read it or a few people read it or whatever. Um, I posted it. I reposted it. The thing goes viral. 4 million people- and I didn't write the book. It was on Tumblr at the time. And this, this author had posted this rules for my son. And there was, I don't know, 20 of them. I think I took 15 of them. I reposted. The thing goes crazy. It goes viral. Four million people. And at one point, I got a letter I from the guy. I think I did see this. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely probably did. So yeah, yeah. people, right? So I get right. this letter. I get an email from the guy that said, hey, man, uh, could you mention my, my book? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> The worst part was I said clearly in the post, I didn't write this, people, but everybody thought I wrote it. Thing went crazy. It's still going crazy. It still to this day does very well. I actually asked him to come on the podcast and he said no. So, said good no. Luck you. Good <laughs> so luck is he you. like mad at you? Is he mad at you for like, I think he's a little like mad, stolen, va stolen valor there? <laughs> I think. And, and the thing is, that's why I emailed him recently and was like, hey, why don't you come on? It'd be a great story to tell. And we may sling a couple more of your books. And he said no. So I think he's still, <laughs> you I think pissed him off. That's great. But the reality is on my, like when you click on it, when you, you can buy the book and I'm, I, I clearly tell everybody I didn't write this. Like I've said that for a million years, but anyway, so good times. All right. Last question. You have a full-time job. How do you, how do you maintain a full-time job and this whole other brand that you've developed? It's not that hard in the Twitter world because yeah. you think about it. I mean, I'll really put out maybe one, two tweets a day, maybe a few more than that, but it's really not that much. And you think about how much you text during the day. It's no more than just sending out one or two texts, you know, maybe a little bit more thought goes into it, but anybody who's read my tweets sometimes <laughs> say otherwise. Um, but, and the majority of the quote unquote work, right. Would be during Browns games. Yeah. Right? It's amazing the kind of interactions you get during Browns games sure. and that's stuff I enjoy doing. I mean, I don't do anything that I don't enjoy. And of course that's all in my leisure time. So it, it, it's, it's wild. Cause you'll go from during the week, you know, an average day for reflog will probably get around half a million to a million impressions, right? Just an, just an average day. And that, that's pretty good. 
you go to a Browns game and a close Browns game is going to get four plus million impressions in a day from reflog which is incredible you just you just talked about your viral i mean and that's a really good viral post i mean four million for a post is great right. it, it is it's crazy big um but that's just what happens when you get more and more people involved and then talking about the browns on your feed yeah. you know over and over again so at this point it's just kind of something that's gotten enough momentum that it just continues because of its own more momentum more so than me putting out a whole lot of content. Yeah, man, this has been awesome. Um, and I'm so thankful for your time. And, and, and we mentioned it before we started clicking record. Uh, it's been great to get a peek behind the curtain because I think so many people know the brand, the avatar, the story, you know, the, the, the perfect season. I, they probably may have seen you on TV or, you know, heard the story. But, but to get a little bit of the story behind the story, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And again, given this little bitty podcast, your time on a Friday when there's probably other things you could be doing. I, I really, really appreciate you being on. Aaron, this was fun. And hopefully by the time this makes it to everybody, the Browns will have beaten the Raiders. I'll leave it at that. Well, I think it's going to go up on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> um, and so we will for sure know, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm not a guy that bets, but I'll go ahead. And, and I think you have, a, so before I forget, um, I think you have some sponsors that for your, your shows. So let's talk about that before I get off. But, I will probably, I'm not a guy that bets, but if I did bet and I used one of your sponsors, I would not put it on the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mybookie.com. You can go on to mybookie.com, which is a fantastic sponsor of mine. We've also got shacknews.com that sponsors the Big Play Reflog Show every Monday night at 9 p.m. Please tune in. You can find it on my Twitter account. I've always got it pinned at the top. And it's a great show. It's a great show. It's a great follow. I'll put everything in the blog post so you have all those links as well in case somebody's driving down the road. But uh, pretty sure we're going to be talking about a bronze victory because my Raiders defense. Now we're talking. So. Now we're talking. Unless, hey, unless Chucky can figure out what to do with the defense, <laughs> you're looking at another bronze victory. They're 6-2, and two and the Raiders are probably not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> make ba Baker Mayfield look like a franchise quarterback for another week. That's, what we, that's what we need. Hey, and not to talk too much sports, but I believe if you can give Baker time, and I'm a, I'm a, this is weird too, I'm a North Carolina fan. So if you can give wow. Sam Howell time, if you can give, he's very similar to even body and build. Um, they're very, very similar. If you give Sam Howell time, he will pick you apart. If you give Baker time, he will pick you apart. If you rush him like the other two teams have done, that the losses they've had, and you make him uncomfortable, I'm not sure Baker's your guy, but he looked great on Sunday. Some, he found something on Sunday, and, and that was that – not that he needs confidence, but he found something on Sunday. The Raiders' secondary sucks. Uh, look for the Browns to win. Yeah, it's gonna, I think it's going to be predicated us, on us establishing the run right. early uh, right. so that you take that off of Baker. And then on top of that, being able to move the ball around with OBJ out, uh, you know – Obviously, you don't want to lose a guy like that. But there is that opportunity now for Baker to start moving the ball around a little bit more and rather than forcing it to OBJ. And, you know, this is something I've been talking about on my show for the last few years with Baker is that he is most effective when he's hitting eight to ten receivers yep. on a given, in a given game. Yep. And that's where we're rushing the ball. So we're rushing the ball for over 100 yards. He's hitting that many receivers. You know the offense is moving at that point. And uh, that's where I found him to be most effective. You never want to lose a talent like OBJ. But, 
you know, I, I think you really got to look at it as an opportunity for Baker to take a next step and we'll see if it happens. Hopefully by the time everybody listens to it, you'll be saying, yep, that's exactly what happened on Sunday against the Raiders. Well, on Tuesday, we'll find out. Like, <laughs> likely. Uh, all right. Uh, one last time. Give me all your links. Uh, the, the best link to find me, just go to at reflog underscore 18 on Twitter. That's just golfer backwards. You can find me there. And at the top of there is going to be my big play reflog show. And then you'll also see all the gems that I put out during games, after games, and hopefully to commiserate at the end of this year with, uh, with a good season rather than, a, than our normal for the Cleveland Browns. So we'll see. And, and if we do have a bad season, then it's on to the next one. We'll have the Cavs up next and then the Indians after that and the rotation begins. Right. Well, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Um, it's been really fun. Really, really fun. And, and uh, Jeremy Rosen told me you would be a blast and you, you've absolutely been a blast to talk to. So uh, shout out to Jeremy. Absolutely. Shout out to Jeremy. Open invitation anytime you want to come back. Um, and, and even if you want to come back next week and talk about how the Browns won, that's fine. Too. <laughs> Rub it in your face. I <laughs> like that. I like as a Browns fan to finally be able to do that. <laughs> we'll do it, man. It's, I'm excited for the city of Cleveland. At the end of the day, my heart's always in Cleveland. So anytime they win, that's great. So um, it's awesome. Well, man, I appreciate your time. Have a great Friday. And, uh, and we will hopefully talk soon. And, and I'm sure we'll talk on Twitter. Sounds good. Thanks, Aaron. Best to you. Bye-bye.